Because he had to, well, he had to help me pee and stuff, so it really did feel like not, nothing felt right. The title's as good as the segment. <laughs> Brian, shush. I care about dad or uncle. I had some deep thing to say. Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. Today our episode is on Papers, Please, a game by Lucas Pope, and I'm your host, Polly Kroll. Joining me today is... Will Atkinson. Nate Stevens. Brian Pachuki. And Megan Paulson. Quick warning before uh, listening to any more of this, this podcast is going to be extremely spoiler heavy, so if you haven't played the game and you have any interest in it, I definitely suggest uh, playing it first and uh, coming back and taking a listen to what we thought about Papers, Please. We're going to start off with a question, as we do most of the time. And our question today is going to be, what is a memorable border experience for you? Well, somebody's not too crazy. Driving across Texas in a convoy with my boss, actually. And he went through the um, border check first, and I was right behind him. And he, of course, he speeds off at like 70 miles an hour. And so I'm like, shit, I got to catch up to him. So, of course... I'm going 90 miles an hour trying to catch up to him when I get pulled over right after the border crossing. <laughs> so that's the thing that I think about. Uh, Nate, what you got? Not to sound like a broken record, but on the way back from Bali when I was crippled and hospitalized, when I got back to Seattle, I was completely delusional and about to lose it because I was in a lot of pain. The guy that helped me get off the plane, because if you're not able to move on your own, they send someone into the plane with one of those weird fold-up wheelchairs, but you're like the last person out. So the guy they sent was this very flamboyant black man and he was talking to me and I was not sure if I was hallucinating or not but he introduced himself as Queen Robinson and I was like oh hello uh and then we talked to each other and he was just I don't know he just kept I kept asking him if his name was Queen and he was like yeah of course it is and then I was like I think I'm actually completely insane and somehow I made it to the border checkpoint do you think that was actually a figment of your imagination? No, I think that was real, because I asked my friend that was there with me later. I was like, did he say his name was Queen? And she was like, oh, yeah, most definitely. And I was like, okay. Weird. <laughs> but I still it, feel like Nate's going to wake up one of these days. Because he, well, he had to help me pee and stuff, so it really did feel like nothing felt right. All right, Brian, how about yourself? So I don't have any interesting porter stories. Mm. That's good. Yeah. Better pretty straightforward. How was the... You recently went to India, was it? Yeah, that was pretty straightforward. Was it easier getting there or getting back to the U.S.? About the same. Usually coming into the U.S. is always harder. If you go to Canada or something, it's always... Like, you take the train into Vancouver from Seattle, and it's like going there. You just get off at in Vancouver and then go through customs. Coming back to the U.S., you go through customs first in Vancouver. Then they stop you right at... They stop the train at the border, and border uh, patrol agents get on the train and check your, check everything. So usually it's easier getting b- there than back, but India, they, they're pretty you know stringent on checking, obviously, with their long-standing war with Pakistan. I think it's super interesting that the U.S. Customs is in Vancouver. Right? It is, yeah. <laughs> so, like, uh, so, yeah, it's in... We'll just be in your country now. Yeah. And they stop the train on the way back, which they don't on the way into Canada. You know, whatever. All right. But yeah, there's nothing really interesting. I nothing pretty, interesting at all. Had a pretty good, good go experience. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, Megan. Mine was actually very recent. My boyfriend frequently goes to Canada to work on a fishing plant. And I knew he was headed up there. And I got a text that was like, interesting side note. 
you can get into Canada without your passport. Yes, you can. And my face, I just started laughing at work. And I was like, yeah, but you can't get back. <laughs> so I had to drive up to Canada to take him his passport on the weekend <laughs> so that we could come, I, I, so we could get back in the country. I well, think I can. may have you turned you away too. at the gate <laughs> this game. <laughs> because there are, there, are part, there are like Native American reservations right on the border. And there's no border patrols from either country because they're, you know, because they're Native American land. So you could just if drive oh, through that and you don't need... Uh, passport yeah, or Canadian stuff. You Turns know out Brian does have something interesting yeah. about. Yeah. I don't know. This is so what I've heard. Yeah, they used to apparently let you in because there was part of the law was they could not turn you away. They just take your car apart mm-hmm. and keep you there all day, and then they'd eventually let you through. But I think they changed when we got the enhanced licenses. They said you have no excuse, so just stay in Canada forever. All right. That so you could have got rid of them, is what you're saying. I could but, have. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for that. I was thinking hard about what my most memorable border experience is while you guys were all talking, because I've been to quite a few countries in Europe and some other places, but truthfully, I think the most experience was my first time being out of America when I went to Nova Scotia, Canada. It's interesting because I went with my boss at the time. We were setting houses and things like that. One of his friends who lived in Nova Scotia owned a bunch of land, and he was throwing this huge party out on his land where a bunch of people would go camp, and they built a stage, and they had a bunch of bands play. It was a really cool thing. And we had this inf- invitation, and the name of the party, for some reason, was Naked Bocce or something like that, because <laughs> the guy was all hippie-like. <laughs> I just imagine a lot of sagging Naked Bocce? <laughs> yeah. So... We, when we went across the border, they asked us the reason for our visit, and he, like, my boss handed the border guy the invitation, and it was clearly like, a questionable thing. <laughs> so, like, they're like, oh, you guys have been selected for a random search. <laughs> and uh, so we were searched, and they selected the, for they not look, so random search. They look search. at the card and they're like, Oh, by the way, you've been selected for random search. <laughs> Back at, at that time in my life, I... Uh, Speaking part- of which, kids, don't do drugs. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm with you on that. Back at that part of my life, I did smoke marijuana, though, and so did everybody that was with us, I believe. And the wife of my boss left a blunt roach, a stub of a marijuana cigarette. I, I don't in, think you need to explain. <laughs> well, you don't know who our listeners are. In the ashtray and the border found it. So they searched through all our stuff and they found, I think he had like an eighth of weed or something like that. So they confiscated that. They find us and they red flagged us that we'd be searched anytime we came into Canada again. I have gone to Canada a couple times after that and have not been searched again. Nice. Mm-hmm. Our, our border customs working to its finest. Yeah. Indeed. Oh, actually, Absolutely. Nate, do you remember coming back from Canada? I remember going to Canada funny. and then being convinced that I was lying about you coming along voluntarily. <laughs> <laughs> we went to who was that caustic soda caustic soda yes. live and when we oh, yeah. came back like, the guy just had this why look would on you his listen face. to a podcast <laughs> well, and, but he just he like why would put you his travel head down. all the way to vancouver to go to a podcast live <laughs> he wasn't even concerned about that he was concerned that there was a girl in the car that went along and he just didn't buy it at all <laughs> Well, yeah, it does look suspicious. Yeah. I know, apparently so. Well, he's really they thought bubbly. you were like a Canadian. You were, they were, he was trying to steal or something like that. I have that. no how'd idea, you, but you get Nate a girl is super bubbly at 11 o'clock at night. Uh, and the guy believe was like, it or not, she came voluntarily. Right I know, I'm as surprised as you are. That's <laughs> my exact quote. It's hilarious. All right, so let's get to the game. Again, I'm going to warn you guys one more time that there's going to be spoilers in this, so if you want to play the game, go ahead and play it. But um, uh, Will's probably shaking his head because I forgot about our new segment. Will talking about things. 
Alright, so everybody grab your papers and pencils. You're ready for our quiz here. Sorry, I'm sorry, do you want us to get our paper segment names? I was gonna make that joke, but I didn't want to do it. I was like, somebody else will do that joke. First question. Which of the following is not a country in papers, please? Astroska, Orbistan, Tajikistan, United Federation. Can you say those in ways that I would say them when I read them? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I can't. Because <laughs> I know all the countries, but let's say... I think Polly's asking if you could say it a little bit more racist so yes. he could understand. Astroska. Because there's no R after that T. You're killing I like me. how uh, Will's Dude, Russian uh, accent geez. sounds a lot like a Star Trek Russian accent. United Federation. Was that better? Yes, thank you, thank <laughs> you for the more racist pronunciation. Okay. Question number two. Which of the following is the evil organization? Evil? No. Mysterious organization. Is it E-Z-I-C, C-I-Z-E, E-I-Z-C or I-S-I-S. <laughs> I needed the last option. Oh, what, say this one more time again. E-Z-I-C, C-I-Z-E, E-I-Z-C or I-S-I-S. Is this like the, the SATs where you, you throw one stupid answer in there so you can eliminate the problem? What is a horrible combination? Peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> There is a literal direct reference to George Or- Orwell in this game. Is it, and you have three options here, one of the border crossers' names is Orge Georgewell. The rule book's ISBN is that of 1984. Or George's photo is, I can't remember the, how you say this word, stega, uh, steganography. Isn't it stenography, stenographically? Yes, that word. Stenographically yeah. huh. hidden in the booth image. I didn't understand that can last you, answer. Can, yeah, can you explain so, what stenography sten- is? Steganography is the practice of hiding an Im- uh, hiding data in another image. Okay. Um, and So normally it's text, but because the picture's so old, there's not much data, so you can hide one image inside of another. So George's image would be, in the, if the answer is correct, his image would be in the something? Basically, in the data that makes up the picture that's the booth. Oh. The last one. Which of the following is not one of the pieces of documentation for entrance into the country that I'm not saying? <laughs> is it a passport, a grant of asylum, a work visa, diplomatic authorization, or identity card? All right. So who got the first... Who knew which country was not in... Uh, I'm going to say three, even though I didn't know what word that was. Tajikistan? Yeah. That's what I went with. That's what I did, too. You too, Nate? I went with Orbistan. Orbistan is, is actually one. in the... Yeah, yeah Orbistan, I know. Orbistan, okay. though, because sure. it's O-B-R, not O-R-B. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, Orbistan. I would have... Damn it, Will! <laughs> That's what confused Nate. That's, That's what, what I was trying I was trying to get him to keep saying I'm it. I'm so technically correct. It. All right, I'll give you a half a point for that, Nate, because yeah. I probably fucked it up, and then everybody else gets a point because Tajikistan is a real country, not one in the game. 
Yeah. How many endings are in papers, please? <laughs> 20. I'm going to go with 20 on this one. I went with guess. two. Is that right? <laughs> two. two is what I actually 20 learned. is correct. The shadowy organization is E-Z-I-C. Boosh. Mm-hmm. Everybody else I got, I would. Everybody got that? I got yep. the wrong one. I had to, I, anyway. The wrong one? Yeah. The direct reference to George Orwell in this game is the rule book has the ISBN of 1984. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know that, but I fun, made fun I fact. guessed. Yeah, cool. So Megan's got taken the lead of four. It seemed like you knew what the other thing was way more than the ISBN. So <laughs> <laughs> you went with that one. That was smart. I thought about it. I love the people who Googled that, who figured it out. If you uh, stick an ISBN into Amazon, it'll just pop up. Oh yeah, for you. like I know it, but who thought of like the fact? Like, I like, oh, that probably check. has meaning. Yeah. And the last question. Which of the following was not one of the documentations? A work visa is not in this one. Don't you sure? No. Yes. There's a work. There's, you can. There's, there's a, a work ticket. A work visa is not. Work. That's tickets? the same thing. It, <laughs> a ticket. The rest of these are literal word for word. See, I thought uh, that. That's that's. Yeah, I thought that's that a bat- he maybe like. I went with grant of asylum because I was like, I know there's an so asylum thing, but I don't know if it's a grant of yeah, asylum. Yeah, I don't think they call it. I know that there's a work I, visa, but apparently it's not called a work visa. So. Yeah, Nobody on the last one. Fine, no. you all get a half a point. Trick question. No, yeah, we should all be wrong. I think. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, matter. Everybody should all be wrong. <laughs> and I think Megan wins with four yes. points. Very well nice. done. Huh? Uh, I got a prize. Four points. Yeah, I got four points. You missed uh, four. ISBN. No, I got. I said I got that because oh. you said. No, you didn't. You said you, you, said you got that wrong. because I knew what that was. Yeah. <laughs> no, I said you knew what you knew what that was. So it was the other one that you didn't know oh. what it was. Oh. Okay, who cares? It's, okay. All right, it doesn't matter. Four to four. Congratulations. Way to go on the trivia. Well. So, let's get to the story of this game. <coughs> I guess we should talk a bit about the intro to it and everything like that. It's very minimalist uh, graphics. It's created by one person. Pretty much the intro of the game, uh, you're assigned work detail, working as a border patrol or border agent, taking documents from people coming across the border into Artstatska, I'm going to say is how I say it. <laughs> it's a, pretty much a totalitarian government type Eastern Bloc country. Fictional, of course. And you pretty much work the border and people come across with you check their documents and compare them to other documents and rules such as their passport has to match their identification card and have the same identification number name make sure the it's not expired that kind of thing and as you move throughout the game the rules get more stringent and more arbitrary rules are created and also certain people coming across the border will try to do things like bribe you or ask you to do things for them or just beg you to let them across the border so they can be with their husband or whatever their specific need is. The reason why you wouldn't do this, because obviously if you if you care about people or anything like that, or at least the people in this game, you'd want to help somebody out, but you are paid by every person that you successfully get through the border. You get five credits, and if you let somebody through that isn't supposed to get through because their paperwork isn't correct. You get a couple free passes every day, but you will start getting deducted if you just let everybody through. Also, you'll get deducted if you turn somebody away that was supposed to be allowed through. Is that um, true? Yes. I don't think I've ever... Um, as you get further into the game, actually, when you deny somebody... Because at one point in the game, a, somebody with a press badge tries to get through, and they don't have anything other than a press badge in their passport, so they're not supposed to get through. So you deny them... 
and they write a paper in a story in the paper that says pretty much bad mouths are statska. So the new rule is whenever you deny somebody, you have to put another stamp on it. That's the reason for denial. And you'll get deducted if you deny somebody and don't give them the reason as well. Like I said, it gets a lot more complicated. People get more and more documents that they need, such as like polio vaccines. And at a certain time, certain districts, you have to confiscate their passport. And sometimes they argue with you about that. But yeah, there's a lot of... And the reason you want money is because at the end of every day, it shows you how much you made, how much... And it automatically deducts rent from your apartment. And also you need to buy heat, food, and possibly medicine for your family. At the beginning of the game, you start with your wife, son, yourself, and your uncle. And later on in the game, you can also adopt a niece. They each have their own stats so they can get sick, they need medicine or they'll die. They can get hungry, they need food or they'll die. And they get cold, they need heat or they'll die. So if you want to survive... They actually do bring that mechanism back into the game too where if you freaking kill off your entire family then it's like oh well you're not the kind of person we want as one of our official border agents and so that's another game over state which brings us to a a, there's 20 endings to this game and everything that you do on any day pretty much decides what will happen and some of the choices aren't so obvious like you could help out Ezek at certain times and then it will close off options to you later on in the game because at the on the last day you're actually audited by the government and they will find out if you've been helping this rebel group, I guess it would be. Kind of like a, it's dark, but it seems like a Sons of Liberty type organization. They want to make Arstica great again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, <laughs> By the time this comes um, out, that'll be a distant memory. Or but a yeah, and nobody will understand the joke, but, uh, and we'll all be like, eh, I'm not, like I'm not going to go over every ending. Every, oh, of course, there's 20 endings I don't want to go over. Give us some ones. highlights, I'd like to. I'd like to ask everybody about some of the endings they got that they thought me- memorable and also some of the things that came up that maybe led to those endings but they thought were memorable about the game. Is there any uh, kind of endings or anything like that that you found that you ran into or anything you wanted to talk about the story? I played through a bunch. I played the game a bunch, but I didn't get to many endings. I think the only one I really got to was killing my family, so I felt really good about that one. Same here, except for the yeah, feeling good the part. the only ending I got <laughs> was killing the family. I think I got caught doing something. I was helping people, but not helping them enough to go that route. And I wasn't being perfect, so I I can't remember. As it comes to you, their first option is they give you a card, a, a coded card that has names. And you can let certain people that shouldn't be allowed access through because their name matches. And when you do that, they're going to drop off money at your house. And your neighbor eventually reports that you have all this money. Yes. Uh, was that an ending? Because I, I remember seeing it, that. It can be. Because pretty much your supervisor will come in and say, or I think it's in the paper, actually. Something happens where it tells you that you're being investigated for all these extra funds because they give you, like, way too much money for yeah. what you're doing. All of a sudden, and you have, like, 40000 like, yeah, and you won the game. Pretty much <laughs> managing can, to have, like, 100 at the end of the day. not kill everyone. So the neighbor reports that you have all these extra funds and you're being investigated. But Ezek will come through the day after that happens and say, say, hey, that was a mistake giving you that much. In the future, we'll give you smaller amounts. Let through this person and they'll take care of your problem. And if you do get through that person, they have the Office of Administration evacuated, and I guess they steal something that makes them not report you and comes back and says that you're fine. That is where I messed up. I'm not even sure. Sometimes I was going so slow that the person they warned me was going to come through didn't even get to me. Well, I also had that problem. Like I got that ending as well one time because, okay, I let somebody from Ezek through and they fucked me, and now uh, my my whole family's in danger and everything like that, so fuck them. I'm not going to help them. turns out they're 
they would have helped you and <laughs> instead you get put i think in that one you get put in work camp because that's the thing yeah there's different types of endings and two different ending songs 17 of those endings are the death music, which either oh you God. go to work labor camp or you get put in jail. And some of them, your family is okay. Some of them, your family is also locked up. The rest of them have the freedom music, I think it's called, or something like that. So there's very few good endings, is what yes. you're telling me. Okay. And good, even those good, good endings are kind of like... Uh, Just like life in Soviet Russia. I mean, Arstotska. Even those good endings are kind of dark as well. So that's so you guys all, all you guys did is kill your family in this game then yeah yeah that's you know. I, I hope I did. that makes us a minority uh, do you think that I, was the most common ending for everyone I would yes. say probably because <laughs> um, that's the yeah, easiest ending say, to yeah. get is because this game I think that that's one of the it's things about this game is it's really hard to do this and that's one of the reasons I have came to enjoy this game is because looking at these documents and you're searching to try to find all right what are these guys trying to get one over on me on and you check everything you think and you've, you're like, all right, this person is good. Everything checks out. I'm going to give them the green stamp and send them through. And then you wait until they walk past that little segmented line and to all of a sudden... see if they're going to explode. <laughs> well, no, not just that. There's also... I was going to get to that, but also you'll get a little paper printout that tells you what you did wrong. <laughs> and when I thought I did a great job and I got it wrong, I was so mad. But see, that, that annoys me about this game is that... It's meant as this realistic, you're in this situation of, of this border patrol of this, I suppose it's supposed to be modeled after some, you know, former Soviet, you know, satellite country that has this totalitarian state, right? But what is the point of you actually doing this job when if you send somebody away that shouldn't have been sent away or you let somebody in that's not, they immediately know you did something wrong. So it's like I'm, I'm, the whole time I'm playing the game, I'm thinking... Like you said, it's fun for you because it's hard. But for me, it takes you right out of the game because I'm like, well, what is the point of me being here if immediately they know whether this guy should They've be in the They've already got a robot that, tells, yes. that knows the answer. So there like, there is a bit of suspension of disbelief to it. <laughs> so I always assumed like that that right printout isn't necessarily immediate. I always assumed that... Yeah, no. I, Maybe I, it's I, even darker than that. I, Maybe the whole point is that the government can already do all this stuff, but they're just paying you to do job that doesn't even matter that would be better if, <laughs> if, if that was if that was like one of the endings and they're just like oh yeah we did that just because you know like this is like our version of labor camp but we're just forcing you to do this well, some of the endings they do i mean they do audit your work so that's what i'm saying I, I always assume that when they went through the audits they were like they look up this person they're like hey he came through with this passport but that map didn't match his id or something like that but they already docked you the they already ticketed you and docked you the credits yeah. maybe 30 days before that. And, so and that, agree, that audit doesn't really do anything. I agree with you that that doesn't make any sense. But if that wasn't in this game, there would be no enjoyment because it's such a dark and miserable experience. But the other side of that coin that I was going to get to is when I do get something right and I catch somebody trying to get one over on me, there is an instant like gratification <laughs> in my brain that, oh, I did a good job and I'm the best. I let this lady not live with her family, which kind of sucks, but she I was, was trying. She say, was are trying, you really happy that but, she was, but that's the thing. That's the thing about this game. In, in your brain, I can't help it. When I'm assigned a task and I do a good, it's like a puzzle. Here's a puzzle in front of you. If you solve it, it might not contextually be the best thing for the world, but I did a good job. So there's a dopamine rush. Oh, I can't wait to hear what th your thoughts are on Stanley Parable then about doing, you know, what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know that what you're talking about with that game. So, um, <laughs> Nate, what were you going to say about this topic? I'm sure I'll go into more detail later, but I think one of the things this game does really well is atmosphere, but not only atmosphere and how it's designed and how it's produced, but atmosphere and how your choices reinforce the idea of being in a place in a time period. And I think one of the things about the omniscient fact checker here is that 
It reinforces the idea that you're merely a cog in a system. Even though it seems like you have some agency over these people's lives, everything you do at this place in this period in time is redundant's not the right word, but you're just part of a machine and it works in impossibly complicated ways and every everyone's wheels are being greased or whatever that phrase is. If you're getting paid off, the assumption that the guy next to you would notice and turn you in is only valid if he's not getting paid off. I think part of life in the Soviet era was just how incredibly unfair everything was. It just doesn't work like... Nothing really works in a very predictable or transparent way. Wouldn't that actually be more enjoyment if they gave you this thing of not being immediately caught for everything? Okay, like Nate was saying, getting paid off, right? So say one of the guys pays you, the rebels, whatever, pays you, you know, it's like, okay, let me in and I'll, you know, I'll pay you off, right? And you let them in and you don't get caught. Isn't that even more enjoyment? Like, oh, I could get caught, but oh, nope, I let them through and they never knew. I think that would kind of break the game because you could just let everyone through and get to the end of the game. No, I mean, you could have some consequences after the fact. That's more how real it is. I mean, you know, if if you go... If they gave you a chance of... Yeah. Getting through or something like that? Exactly. I'm not saying like I let just everybody don't know through. Obviously, yeah, that how would well that would work. Also, part of that is the training cycle. It's it's also teaching you how to spot things. The first couple of times, the idea that I would have to check for a date on the date of birth, that that's valid, that that is a way that, that, that it could be broken, well, I mean, didn't I mean, really make sense. But so I mean, it tells you, like, like, if you, I mean, I don't know, it, the, sometimes the things are wrong, but it gives you like this whole booklet that tells you you need to check for all this stuff and it's in there like if you read it i mean sure. i don't know if you're it's actually not, it's not as effective it, as but that. the idea What's that the, uh, i the game is set in 1985 and this thing is in 87 that's not something i would even think about as a way that it would be broken and if i saw a date that said 1987 that's not something i'm thinking about and so right, cause we're all of a sudden future. once it <laughs> once it gives me that feedback mechanism like oh i actually have to look at the date I have yeah, to look right. at what date the, it is in the game so I think if things are expired, it's like a you, teaching But mechanism. they can give you that mechanism later. But there's nothing as powerful as that noise when that printer goes off for me. It's yeah. like, I will cringe when I hear that oh, now. That's like, fine, that, What's that study still, with the dogs and the bell? Pavlov. Yeah, the Pavlov's yeah. dogs thing. Um, yes, I understand the mechanism for you know the game. It just breaks the game in a way for me that was... The point of the game doesn't make sense anymore. Is there a single game saying. that does not have some amount of this is a video game? Yeah. No, no, it cannot is, be. I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like you're. Well, no, this is I'm, a very no, tiny I, detail I, of a game that wouldn't work. Before. Well, I'm and, curious and, how yes, we there's always contextualize this in the game's every world. game. But it's what is the disbelief? Is it you're suspending that? Hey, I'm fighting dragons in some medieval setting, or is it which is just a uh, environment and context disbelief? Or, you know, suspension, or is it Hey, the whole point of the game, which is to lit and not let people in, your whole point of your job. Yeah, but yeah, that's like the thing. I don't think that's the point about. of the game. I think it's a commentary. So them saying that your job doesn't really matter could also be a commentary. Like, yes, it, but I don't think that's. The, but I don't think that's what the government. Going. I mean, at least the, I didn't the government see saying that these people from this district aren't allowed in is arbitrary, and it's not like why would exactly. anybody not be allowed into one area. What I was going to talk about for my my most memorable ending is the one that I actually got last night because I, I decided to do another playthrough more recent because I played this game a couple of years ago, at least one year ago. And that was probably my favorite playthrough was there's multiple choices, but I decided to go and do everything that Ezek told me to. So I went ahead and let certain people through. One of the things they say, this person is coming through and he is going to stop our organization 
So he hands you a packet of poison, and when he comes through, you actually have to take the poison and put it on his passport, and then you can either let him through or deny him. Either way, he like coughs up blood and dies right afterwards. If he goes to the right, he kills your guards. If he goes to the left, then he kills some people in the line as well, because it's really strong poison, apparently. <laughs> you do that. It's group poison. <laughs> on a passport? Like... Yeah, like they hand, you anthrax. they hand you anthrax pretty much. <laughs> I'm trying and to. And you, you have to not touch it and stick it to the passport. It's kind of neat, the mechanic, the way it works and stuff like that. Also, you end up getting guns, and Ezek will ask, ask you to shoot some people and not shoot other people. And as long as you follow through with all these rules, on the very last day, they'll come to you and say, we're raiding, stand down, we're raiding today, everything's going to be okay for you and your family. And if you do that, pretty much a bunch of people come in and blow up the wall and when you come back, Ezek is like, um, you're no longer required here at the um, guard. We're going to move you and your family into a nicer place. Glory to the new Artstatska. And they ask you to be an agent of Ezek instead of being a Border Patrol person anymore. Which is still kind of a dark ending because they kill a bunch of people. And yep. it's a, like a violent overthrow of the government. But your family is cared for. And the thing that was great for me is I got to, I kept my entire family alive as well as adopted my niece. Who, but by the way, fun fact, if you do adopt her, she brings her mother's savings with her. So it helps you out a lot. And also, somebody we haven't brought up yet, Georgie Kustava. Hmm. Um, he, I love him. <laughs> he's kind of like the comic relief in this very dark game where his first passport is like obviously hand drawn and like, like crayons. crayons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, friend. And multiple times he tries coming through with bad documents and outdated documents. And then his story really progresses where he eventually gets the correct documents, but he's trying to smuggle drugs through the uh, border. If you f- catch him out and you don't detain him and you send him away, he's just like, yeah, you're probably right. Drugs aren't good for kids, but guys got to make money somehow. So then finally he comes through like the second to last or the third to last day or something. He's like, hey, things are getting really bad. And I just waited in line just to talk to you. Things are getting really bad in Arstatska. You should probably go to Oberstan. And he lets you know that if you can confiscate people from Oberstan's passports so you can use them. And he gives you the contact info for a guy who you can buy fake passports and go and take your family to Oberstan instead. So you have to confiscate, illegally confiscate passports for all the people in your family and have enough money, $150 for the complete family to get out of the country, which would have been the other ending if I didn't go the Ezek route, but I could have done either or. So I had my options, you know, which was if I shot the final Ezek people and didn't let them take over Arsatska, I could have got out to Oberstan. But like, those are the good endings. I've got tons of bad endings. I killed my entire family. I helped out Ezek and got caught and went to work camp. I, um, there's just a lot of things that I can't even think of all the bad endings, but you can kill an innocent. Once you get the gun, they, they unlock guns eventually in the game. You can, I think you could just do really bad at not shooting people in the game. And they say that you're not a strong person anymore. There's tons of bad endings in the game and it all revolves in you die your family dies, or you go to forced labor camp. I think it's really interesting how they continue to pile on the mechanics over the course of the yeah. game. Yeah. Um, it from the it starts as like just a matching thing, but then they like have like a slide out and the pet punch, and then there's you're doing all kinds of things from the X-ray scanner. At one point, there's this guy who's like, "Hey, uh, we're." We're working for some giant defense contractor, and we need engineers. So whenever you see an engineer, give him my card, and he just dumps twenty cards on your like. Uh, okay, yeah. I don't know. Is this a cool thing or not? Like, <laughs> it's it's cool, and he'll come back and pay you five dollars for all the good candidates. I had a bunch of them, but he was like, "This guy didn't know anything, so I'm not going to give you money for him." 
Um, and like somebody but, brought up earlier, the uh, like it's so gray. It's like yeah, somebody that somebody seems brought up, like I shouldn't be doing it, but is it gonna hurt anybody? <laughs> somebody brought up earlier in the corrupt totalitarian government, if like certain people are on the government side or on their own side, and like that comes up lots of times too. Your supervisor as, actually asks you to sneak somebody through because he's having an affair with her. She's a diplomat from another country. One of your guards asks you to let his the love of his life through so they can be together. There's like a lot of times where you don't know if they're trying to trick you or if they're actually going for themselves or if they're just at one point in the game it's your son's birthday and you can pay $20 to get him a box of crayons and he'll draw you a picture and if you hang his picture on the wall they dock you a fuckload of pay because you're only allowed to put your certificate of sufficiency up on the wall I like the certificate of sufficiency yeah but yeah <laughs> even that there's a whole bunch of mechanics in like putting stuff on the wall and shuffling the paperwork around on your desk like that's a whole yeah part of the system you can get people that are, have the um they're trying to escape their country for grant of something. Asylum. Grant of asylum. They need to get fingerprinted every time because there's fingerprints on that. Mm-hmm. You, so you have to hand them a fingerprint thing after you find out that they don't have it. You have to. That's the thing. You have to call them out on anything they don't have. It doesn't just automatically do it. So after you call them out for that, you hand them a fingerprint thing, and then you have to scan their fingerprints to make sure that they match the actual fingerprints. And there could be like four other levels of something that you're supposed to catch them on. So it gets really complicated pretty fast and they just add more stuff on and every time you learn something they're like oh we've decided to do away with identification card now it's all on one thing and it's completely like i'm so used to looking for these things i don't know where to look for it anymore it's like the last couple days like fuck why are they doing this to me so the way they teach you these things is neat and the way they introduce to you but it's also very frustrating there's stuff like the watermark on the documents like until you until you get that you know feedback once hey you fucked it up like what why would i even look at that i did do a playthrough where i cheated and printed out a cheat sheet and i actually found that way more enjoyable way to play the game so it's pretty much just like people on the internet created documents that has everything you need to look for but it's still the same job it's just actually still in the real world yeah. i'm comparing these documents to my easier to see sheet instead of flipping through pages in the game on a time constraint it made the game more enjoyable but also broke it a little bit because it's a little part bit more of, part of balancing where that stuff is on your desk is yeah. part of the game right yeah absolutely it's a small desk and you you put things over each other and you can't select it yeah, until you pull it up and i actually like that but, but a lot of this the mechanics that they change that almost every almost every day they're like oh yeah this thing is no longer valid or now this country needs their visit can't stay more than x amount of days and i like how they change things up so you always kind of have to know what the current rules are for the day and then also yeah okay let me get this country we're no longer accepting people from this country on this whatever for work so you have to make sure okay i want to know what this country's name is so i keep the page flipped open to that and where am i going to put it on a desk so i can see it easily is this actually a city in this country is like (laughs) can i pull the stamp thing over it and make sure i get the paper underneath it but above the you know like the rule book to stamp it correctly well that goes to the upgrades they didn't feel at the beginning like do we really need that and then it starts adding so many things on you yeah. yes yes you do or I, you print a cheat sheet i don't I like guess. the upgrades because the one thing i do like about this game and the design of it is it can be a, just a one-handed clicking game but it's one of I, that's why i really like the design of this game I, I don't think of any other games that 
Like, it's it's pretty much kind of like a Flash game, but there's a lot of dra- dragging and things like that. I can't think of another game where you could do so much with just a mouse. Have it's you very... ever played a clicker game before? <laughs> yeah, but... Oh, my God. You don't, you don't do clicker. so much. <laughs> but I really enjoy the, the design of this game. It feels very fresh to me, and he had his own idea, and he did a really good job in it, I thought. I feel Absolutely. Like. But one of the things, not only Lucas Pope is the one person who made this game. From Naughty Unless Dog fame. Somebody else might have done uh, the music. I'm not sure. He did. He did it as There's well? There's only three songs, but yes, he did, as far as I can tell. Okay. But as you were saying, all the, how they introduce all these mechanics. Also, even if everybody's documents are correct, you also have to listen to what they say, because they could say the wrong amount of time. And sometimes they'll be like, deny me access. I don't want this job that they're assigning me. And if you deny me access, then I can go back to my country and do the job I want to do. So then you have the choice <laughs> of... You're supposed to let them through, but they don't want to get through. And when you're trying to keep your son alive, that's kind of difficult sometimes. So many dark scenarios in this. I think the only ones that annoy me was the body scanner. A lot of the times, it's supposed to be obvious if you listen to them and all that. There's one time where it said female, the person looked female or whatever, and you didn't (laughs) scan them and they were actually male. I'm like, there was no... Am I supposed to actually scan every person? Because you usually only do that if you think there's something wrong. Because there was like multiple times I'm like I don't know if this person is male or female <laughs> yeah. based on the well usually like, there was a clue because, <laughs> because the, you're not sure if it's because the art the minimalistic art is not yeah. good or because I think it's just really they're just messing with you because there's one time where, like, when you ask if you're a male or a female they're like I don't understand the question <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean obviously wait obviously that what is, <laughs> that is supposed to be uncomfortable so that's fun yeah speaking of how dark the game is and everything Nate do you know anything about the inspiration for Lucas Pope to create this game after he quit, I I don't know if the idea was percolating in his mind, but he moved to Japan after working for Naughty Dog, as far as I can tell. He said he was, he kind of noticed all the tension while sitting at border checkpoints, and he decided it could be a fun game mechanic, which, for as simple of an idea as that is, he sure went, he did a really good job with it, I think. One of the cool things about this game is it's not only is it, I think, a masterclass puzzle game design, because the more I think about it, the more I realize it really is just a puzzle game. But it feels like so much more than that because it's so... Most puzzle games start you out with one mechanic and then go with that all the way through to the end. I mean, the extreme of that is The Witness or any match three puzzles. But this is like a game where they introduce you to one type of physical gameplay mechanic where you're moving the mouse around. But everything else is just keeps getting added onto. And that's I feel like that's actually pretty unique amongst puzzle games. Yeah. I think it's totally unique. It's like, I don't even know what the genre would be, like a job simulator. Where yeah. There are a few job simulator games out now, but... Yeah, Wikipedia says this puzzle, out, there wasn't. and I was like, that's way oversimplifying it, and I've been thinking about it as so we've been recording this, and I was like, I guess, really it is, but it's just so far and above any other puzzle game in terms of, like, the amount of atmosphere and the fact that for being a puzzle game, this does, like, moral gray areas and ambiguity in choices better than any game I've ever played ever. And one of kind of to go on a tangent, one of the things that one of the things that makes me really passionate about this game is that it's it truly is that sort of gray area where nothing has a clear conclusion whatsoever. You can do things that are clearly in the good and somehow they'll end up hurting you or hurting other people. Like there's just no way to tell. And I think that's actually a really good representation of life in this period in these countries. And that's like to me, that's the thing that takes it to the next level of a game is that it I think it captures part of the essence of being in this time in these places where everything was shades of gray and very confusing and the systems of government were very labyrinthine and non-transparent and honestly everything was kind of terrifying it seems like for me at least not just that time period but also for me 
going across borders is stressful and all my paperwork is in order as far as I know most of the time. Yeah. But there's always that fear in the back of my head. The same fear that when there's a cop driving behind me, if I'm abiding all the laws, that might just be who I am as a person. But I get extremely stressed out about those kind of situations where like, they're looking over my thing and they ask me what my reason is and do I remember the dates correctly and things like that. And that was before I ever played these games. That human interaction, I think they also nailed that atmosphere on top of the whole dystopian Definitely. But unless anybody else has any topics to talk about, we can get to... I kind of wanted to go back a little bit. I can't remember what the the style of game is where you're basically doing like a choose-your-own-adventure kind of just like uh, like visual novels, whatever. Um, Interactive fiction. uh, Yeah. I feel like this game actually shares more in common with that style of game than with a puzzle game because there's not like... A wrong most of the time there's not like wrong answers it's just it's more of just the, the puzzle is just a choice yeah. right that's a good point it also has aspects of a text adventure i would say but also there's game mechanics involved in it as well because a lot of times you have to listen to what people are saying and, and pay attention for clues as to what's going to happen later on in the game most text adventures are just text and this one actually takes that and adds a game mechanic to it which is neat I have a question, actually. Yeah. Is there an ultimate last day? Is there, like, yes. a kind one of. number that you can not get further than that? There's I'm- 31 days of your of the story. Oh. But the final ending, if you do your job perfectly and subscribe to Arstotska's government perfectly, then it gives you a code for endless mode, and then you work there forever. Doesn't that sound like the ultimate ending? Fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think I kept getting close to that. I'd get, like, to 25 days the first time I played this. Yeah. I wondered, how far does this go? What is the end goal? And I didn't realize that there was different endings. And I'd leave the game and then I'd come back and not remember any of the mechanics. And you're 10 days in at that point. If you it don't remember them, you're just going to fail. After a year-long break. Yeah. <laughs> Coming um, back, you're like, oh my I'll God. I'll tell you, last night, although I do get that dopamine rush from getting people through, but last night I was on like the last four days and I was getting kind of tired and I was like, I don't want to work anymore because this is a fucking job. But I kind of want to get that ending, so... Um, Also, one other thing I just thought of, because of Endless Mode, there are a lot of border crossers in this game. And I I don't remember if it was a Kickstarter thing or or some other kind of just he asked for names, but pretty much like he asked people to send in names and you could Eastern Blockanize your name kind of. (laughs) And he would put you through. And also some photos of people he used to reference. So like Prison Architect? Is that a thing in Prison Architect? Yeah, they have different new releases. You can pay and like put yourself in the game. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I did for higher tiers, you get like you could be the guy with the photo and a whole bunch of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so I did. I did send in my name to hopefully be used, but I don't, it wasn't used. Oh, sad. I think you'd be great at crossing the border. What would your Eastern Eastern European name be? Polsky Krolenstein. I think it was Polsky Krolovich or Krolovich. something like that. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so let's go around here and see what everybody's final thoughts on the game were. Starting with Will. I liked it. It was a good experience. Not like head over heels about it or anything. I don't really know what I would put a score on this thing. Probably six or seven range. Boring. Nate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I guess I would start by saying that though I was into games like Pickle Junk Eden many years before this game came out, this was the one game that really turned my eye to indie games to actually use that title to really realize that that was the genre of gaming I was the most passionate about. So that's probably a strong statement for the game in its own right. The level of 
atmosphere and immersion in this game and just how awful everything is and how invested you become almost immediately, especially when you're paying for your family. And your family's like never, it's not that it's never characterized, but it's never really. You don't even have names. It's just yeah, uncle, son. Even, <laughs> yeah. Even when it's just dad and then a health meter on screen, you're immediately like, oh, fuck. I care about dad or uncle. <laughs> you know, like. I care about dad. There's something that really, I don't know. It's just really interesting. I think it does way more than a puzzle game has to. I think really being interested in Soviet history really helps a lot for my kind of compulsion towards this game. I think it's just really cool. And I really, kind of like I was saying before, I really like how it, there is no black and white in this game at all. And I think that's an accurate historical period sort of feeling. I would say that I've kind of been on a quest to find games that are sort of revolving around the, like this idea of the Soviet time frame. And the only things that I've really found, I'd be curious for your guys' opinion on this too, but the only things I've really found are the Tomorrow Children, which just came out free to play, it's kind of like. Unfortunately, ish. it's like a crafting yeah, sort of game, and very I it's not ish. that great. <laughs> free to play. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm gonna try it, but I'm a little skeptical. But it's also by Q Games, who did Pixel Junk Eden randomly, and then of course, Keep Stalin Calm. Has anyone played that? I haven't even heard of that. <laughs> it's like a tiny indie game that it plays a lot like Surgeon Simulator where you have to control Stalin's limbs and prevent him from pressing the big red button on his desk and take calls when it's appropriate and not knock over his lamp. Also for, I don't know, if it's not Soviet games, but I can think of a few that in that, well, I mean, Metro, the Metro series yeah. is Soviet, and that has some of these wrapped more, way more in a first-person shooter, of course, but also what like was, the, this War of Mine. I was going to yeah, talk about that during that's my a good one. There's a complete, like, almost. What was that airplane game with that was the, without airplanes? The airplane game about airplanes. Oh, <laughs> without um, airplanes. Microsoft Flight oh. Simulator, 1999. <laughs> without no. airplanes. Uh, the hydro. Uh, What's it? I wish I knew the name of it because I know like, what it's like a hovercraft. Robostein or something like. Yeah. Well, there's. Wait, I want to know what that not, is. No, you yeah. don't want to play that no, game. There's a, there's a great giant bomb quick look, and we'll have to put it in the notes or something like that because none of us can think of the name of it. But it's a. Um, it's pretty much like flight simulator, but the planes only fly about 15 feet off the water yep. and they go very slowly. <laughs> and like when you pull up your gun turret, it like Vinny, Vinny on the quick look actually points out like, where's this gun? So they zoom out and there's no gun on top of this plane, but then they go back and there's a gun on top of the plane. <laughs> like it's just like very poorly designed and not looks enjoyable at all. And what does that connect to any of this? It's all, is it Soviet very, style? Very Soviet European. S- yeah. They're like real things. Very Eastern. Obviously, yeah. Spin Tires is kind of like a Russia simulator. Oh, well, what's what's the game that's uh, like the Nazi pixel what? game? It's very <laughs> monochromatic. And oh, Luftrausers. Yeah. Luftrausers. Oh yeah, yeah. Luftrausers, yeah. That's that's another one. So yeah, there's there's some Soviet games out there. Also, there's probably some games being developed there that we don't know about. I would there's, imagine. There's the No I Russian would... Mission in. Uh... Oh God. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Yeah. Four and a half. I think Call of Duty Four. You probably two. really like Call of Duty games. Uh, I've heard of like, them. Yeah. You like papers, I think this please. War of Mine is the strongest recommendation if you are interested in this kind of crappy mood. I'm gonna go with a ten. This game is amazing, and awesome. it's strongly influenced how I think about my opinion of games, and I think it strongly influenced games proper. All right. Can I suggest that you play the game more? Yeah. I think that he just gave it a ten, man. I know, but. <laughs> Uh, it disappoints me oh, that you man. haven't you're, experienced you're, you're really going to hate it if I you go, <laughs> actually, Yeah, I really want to go with the, the Ezek. 
I, I kind of want to see that ending. I think that this game is stressful to play and it, it is. it's hard to come around to. But once you actually get there, you're just using one hand and relaxing and clicking and trying to not feel terrible about yourself. Relaxing is not the word. It so can be like, an enjoyable so game. You're a big would you? Guy, would you? <laughs> I can understand you not iPad. wanting to play it. No, I think that would make it easier. I think any kind of touchscreen would make it easier. Is it available on iPad? I think it is. Yeah, and it was trying to bring it via, but I mean, it would it would work as a touch game? Yeah, I don't I, know. I think Polly's point is work. strong that it might work too well if you have two hands or something like that in the game. You only can pick one thing at a oh, time. I, so. Or you could just Multi-touch. lock that down so yeah. you can only this is true. touch one thing at a time. No, I wouldn't recommend playing on iPad. Cool. Brian, what do you think <laughs> about the game? So you guys were bringing up games, and actually I was going to talk about this war of mine. A lot of this game has the same problems for me like that game did, which is like I got to a point where I was, okay, I understand the underlying message of the game, which is, you know, the same thing in this war of mine where it's your choices, whether you, I think Polly was when talking about this earlier like choices whether you make good or bad choices can still end up be can still end up hurting you in the long run and it's the same thing in this war of minds i kind of got bored of that after a while and then the mechanics again just took me out of the game it's not a bad game i like the fact that they actually introduce new things every one and they just i don't know if it's random or if it is on a set Polly, do you know that certain people are random certain events happen on every day there's in between randoms but like Every, I mean, like, I mean, when they introduce things like no longer yeah, does all this them, country allow work visas or nobody can stay, you know, all that stuff is set. That is set. Okay, that stuff is set. The only random elements are random. people in between all this, the set things that happen on the days. Only the only thing is certain newspaper articles get changed on your decision, but all the stuff that's added is all based off of. Oh, okay, that's actually kind of disappointing to me because I actually I like the fact if it had been random, I would have liked it even more. The the notion of oh, there's just these things that just randomly change because that's stuff that that would happen a total totalitarian government might be like hey we don't we don't like this country anymore so you know what no more people from that country or people are trying to sneak in by work so no more work visas or you know um yeah all work identity cards as well whatever said the closest so, thing i can think of that happening randomly is when criminals they have a pretty much a wanted list that comes out on the later days and those are random and change but not really much story involved with them. There's actual stories about child killers and stuff like that, but those are always going to happen. It just, it didn't catch me, so I dropped off fairly quickly. I didn't really get to any other besides the one ending where your family dies. But it's kind of just an average game for me. It does some things well. It Again, it does some things bad, but I could see people enjoying it, and I definitely would. Uh, it's definitely something that's quick and easy to pick up, so is it worth seeing if it's for you? Sure. You talked about the the two games you're talking about. I think it's interesting in that I'm of two minds. On one point, it makes me feel really uncomfortable doing it. But on the other point, it, it makes me glad that they are ex- exploring that. And that's the idea that most people, you want to go into the game and you want to be like the white knight paragon. Yeah, sure. I'm only going to pick the right answer. And when there are no right answers and you actually have to start thinking, okay, of these two things, neither of one is right. I have to actually make a decision and make a choice. That then, that, then those what is, things. What are, is like that's what less I wrong. What is most important to it, you? Do you care more about yeah, your family about or this person in front of you? Yeah, or what is going to like, have least consequences? How do you want to play the game? That's like, what I like the most. Do I want to be a swindler? Do I want to be? It's actually a choice about how you're playing it and not just, okay, now I need to do it the good way, now I need to do it the bad way. Which which kind of circles back to my original complaint about the game, which is that this immediate response of, 
you did the right thing by, you know, like, you let in the guy who shouldn't have been let in, or you rejected a guy who shouldn't have been rejected. That takes away from that. My like, only problem is, like, I don't think I, did, I would remember like, I, I, any I of these things at so the end of the game. I could play so many other things, like, hey, I just let this guy in because he was going to bribe me, whatever, 100, right? And I got away with it. But the next guy's trying, also trying to bribe me. But you know what? I already have 100. I'm not going to play my hand too, too much because I don't know if I'll get away with it the second one. So I'm going to reject this. Like, I could totally play things differently and, like, depending on the day. Hey, my family's sick, so I need more money. Like, I mean, there are certain things, like you said, you can let the rebels in and they'll give you money. But um, And you won't get caught for that stuff. But technically, you do get away with just because it gives you that warning or the fine still changes the game you don't necessarily get killed your parent or your family doesn't necessarily get but, killed that night you might get away with it that get, time in that but sense. you're getting docked already and you're getting and docked the big, but they still got in those people still made it yes, it's different than but if you you're were already getting penalized for it and the big part of the game like depending on how you i mean unless you just don't care about your family the big part of the game is keeping your family alive and every time you let somebody in or reject somebody you you but get that credit that's deduction. not the only way to make money no, it's not, but it's a big part of it. And especially in the beginning, you know, until you can get to points where you can get, like, more money that you're kind of set. Like, if you live in a rebel and you have, like, tons of cash, it doesn't matter. I sort of agree with you. I just don't know how they would do it better. Because, like, the thing that I'm worried about is I don't know yeah, I don't these know, choices. I don't know if, if I they have brought a, it up at the end of the game. I don't know if I have a, a, a solution, and I'm, I don't think that's yeah, like it's relevant possible. to talk about, like, us coming up with a solution for it. But I'm just saying, like, it played to the point where it took away from me maybe getting into this game quickly jumped off the game because of the fact that it just it took me out that the, way. the only reason it's relevant and exciting to me is if for some strange reason lucas pope listened to this i would be really curious if he ever had a version of the game where all your choices are audited at the end of the game and like i'm sure he probably me, thought about it i'm sure that it crossed his mind not remembering any of these choices anymore. i'm sure it crossed his mind but either hey i want to you know he wanted to do it for whatever reason whether it was yeah. this is just how the game is going to be or whether there was some kind of constraint like he's just like i can't you know like i can't come up with a better solution. for me it's the only thing that makes it fun is that you did good or you did bad immediate if it wasn't immediate then this game would be that much darker i have no idea what i'm doing all i'm doing is talking to these people and i don't know i don't know if this guy was supposed to get through or not i think he was good oh this is actually one of the few games where i wish i'd known a little more about it when i started it's always i have a hard time deciding at the beginning if i should look it up so i have an idea of what i'm getting into or if it's gone home and i don't want to know anything about it (laughs) i enjoyed it but i found myself not continuing to play because i had no idea how long it was going to take like when i asked you how many days there was a number of times where i think i made it close and i would have gotten a ending and i thought this game could go on for 200 days i have no idea and that was a slight turn off I wanted to see some kind of where is that line of how long and I probably would have actually played it more times if I knew there were multiple endings. I did enjoy playing it, but I never played that much. I never got very far and I didn't see very many endings. So my experience with it wasn't super awesome, but I think it has the potential to be a great game if you, like you did, you played it and you kept playing it so well that you actually knew the little things. I look at some of the stamps and have to look it up, you probably have those memorized, making it a lot quicker to play. So I think it was a good game. It's not awesome. I don't think I have a number for it, but I definitely suggest people check it out if they get a chance. Which brings me to me. I love this damn game. I'm wearing a Papers, Please shirt right now that says Glory to our Arstotska. So many things about this game make me impressed in the design. Like It feels very fresh, like a fresh concept that hasn't been explored a lot in games, especially mainstream games. The mechanics of it, although it's just dragging around things and clicking on things, 
I guess you could say that about any game, but like actually on the screen, you're just dragging things around and comparing them and stamping them one way or another. For such a simple mechanic, you get so much out of it. You can get enjoyment, you can get pain, grief, like all these things. Sometimes I really didn't want to deny this person because I felt bad for her, but I felt more like I had to protect my family, so I would deny her anyway. And like that is the kind of thing where, like Nate was talking about, such an immersion in this game. I didn't, although Brian has the complaint about the immersion being broken from that immediate response, I wouldn't feel as strongly about my decisions if there wasn't that immediate response. So that was a trade-off that I'm willing to accept because not having that immediate satisfaction or immediate denial would mean I care less about my choices in the game. But no, I, I like I don't know my son's name, but I really cared about him and I really wanted to get that box of crayons for him because he's living in this house with no food or heat its minimalist approach kind of gives it more power but then also there's part like some of the text options in this game not minimalist at all they get into a conversation about soccer games or about one of the powerful things for me was this girl is coming through on a work permit as a dancer i think it is and she's like the man who's forcing us into this job is very dangerous and he's probably going to kill us please don't let him through if you let him through after her there's like a headline a couple days later that's two women found dead at this club that you let happen. That kind of stuff is super powerful. It feels like you made a decision and now this is the outcome of it. You feel bad about it. We've talked about in other games, not to be too spoiler, like Hotline Miami, how you feel bad about killing all these people. And I didn't feel that kind of immersion in the game as something else that felt like a puzzle game. I didn't feel bad about killing all these people because it was more fun than this. There's nothing fun about it except for that brief hit of doing something doing your task correctly but no i just uh, couldn't appreciate this game more i am very interested in it i'll probably keep playing it although i would never want to do the endless mode Uh, (laughs) megan brought up like not knowing how long it is yeah that's fucking stressful is this going to happen forever i don't want to keep going and i probably wouldn't have played this game as much if i didn't do things like look up that cheat sheet or like eventually i looked up all the endings what can i actually do in this and finding out there's 20 fucking endings okay i'm interested in this one kind of not so much the nine of me dying similar ways and things like that the overall mechanics of it although it's really hard to say it's fun it's enticing in some way where like i I just sparks a curiosity in my head that i want to have fulfilled from time to time and it's simple enough to pick up at any time you could do a quick run through kind of like an ftl or or something like that and i like a lot so i'm gonna go with uh, nate and give this a 10 out of 10 i think that was an excellent review do you know what lucas pope is up to now i do not know i think he has made other games though yeah it sounds like he's made the return of the obra din it's a gdc demo build 0.1.23 at present is that the only other game he's created the sea has no claim yeah check out his website there's actually a bunch of stuff here i'm gonna check this out all right yeah that was kind of his whole shtick he was this was just one of the bunch of games that he's been putting out that's interesting i didn't know that yeah i will check them out This brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the Emotive Pixels podcast. If you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash emotivepixels, or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep keep on playing. playing!